charge to keep, I have a God to glorify, and never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. That words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, O Lord my God, in the name of Jesus. Speak to us this morning. We don't want to hear the vain philosophies of man. We want to hear you. Speak frankly to us as your children. Speak tenderly to us as your bride. That it may be well with us and all the glory, honor, power, dominion, and adoration will be ascribed to you and you alone in the name of Jesus. Amen. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea. That is not a conditional statement. It's something that must come to pass. And it's talking about the church. The church is the only hope of this generation. A few days ago, a few weeks ago, you know, a couple of ordained men were demonstrating on the streets, going to government house to look for solutions to their problems. But I want to say that in the mountain of the Lord it shall be found. Not in the government house. The solution to our problems can only be found in the mountain of the Lord. The church is the solution center. Hallelujah. You see, if you look at the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 34 to 35, God was describing the church as the stone that was caught without hands that struck the kingdoms of this world, shattering it, and now growing to become a mighty mountain. Amen. Listen, brethren. The church is not going to be raptured in weakness. The church is going to be raptured in strength. The church is not going to be raptured because we are suffering. And then God is pitying us. Saying, hey, see how these people are suffering. In fact, Jesus, go and bring them. No. The church will be raptured in power. The church will be raptured in glory. That is the truth. Amen. Luke chapter 7 verse 28, you know, the Bible was talking about John the Baptist. He said that all men that have ever lived said none is greater than John the Baptist. But the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God here on earth. Hallelujah. The church will reign in greatness before the coming of Christ. That is not controversial. It is not conditional. It is something that must come to pass. Hallelujah. The Bible describes the church as that mustard seed that, you know, though it was small, it grew and became a great tree. 
that the birds of the air came to make nests and find solace in it. That is the church. That is you and me. The people of the world ought to come here for solutions. Amen? That is the truth. It's not conditional. It's something that must come to pass. What is conditional is the extent to which you and myself will partake in that glory. As per the earth being filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the earth covers the sea, it must come to pass. But the extent to which you and me partake in it is what matters. As the word of God was going to the Bible talked about the eye of the Lord running through and through the whole earth. Looking for that heart that is settled for him. The truth is that God is waiting for a lot of our hearts to settle. The divine power of God, the immeasurable power of God, is waiting for a lot of our hearts to settle. Most of us, our hearts are not yet settled for him. You see, I function in an environment where I come across people of diverse faiths and beliefs. You have Hindus, you have Shintos, you have Jews, you have all these strange Eastern religion, you have different shades of Islam, and then you also have different shades of Christianity there. What I observed about most of these false religion is that a lot of them strive to master their faith, whatever they believe. They strive to master it. They make effort to master it. Even if what they believe is a piece of paper, they strive to master it. And I saw that the greatest problem of Africa generally is two. We don't believe anything strongly. That is one. We don't believe anything absolutely. And two is love. Two things. Lack of faith and lack of love. It's what has been keeping us down as Africans. You know, the scripture talked about two people that heard, two groups of people that heard the word of God. So it's a group heard the word of God and it benefited them because they mixed it with faith. Another group heard the same word of God and it was of no use to them because it wasn't mixed with faith. When you look at the economies of these Asian countries that are always on an upward trend, and most of them are unbelievers, I say, well, look, what is sustaining this greatness? They believe something. There is something they believe, and that brings out a hidden force within them, accomplishing all that they are accomplishing. 
And I want to ask you this morning, what do you actually believe? media more than we believe the word of God. A lot of us believe what they tell us in our properties more than we believe the word of God. About the operational software that is within us running in our lives is the things we pick by social interaction and not the word of God. And that's why sometimes the word of God will not be effective in our lives. It is what you believe that is effective in your life. What you sincerely believe. Because we are working with a God, not man. Somebody that cannot be deceived. And this brings us to our topic for today. Which is passing on to reckon with diligence. Pressing on to reckon with diligence. I'm going to read a few passages of the scriptures and then I'll say a few things and we'll round up. Let's look at where we read our lesson, the book of Proverbs chapter 22. I'll just read verse 29. Proverbs chapter 11 and chapter 22 verse 29 says, Seize thou a man who is diligent in his business. Take note of a man who is diligent in his business. He will stand before kings and not before mean Man. Let's look at the book of Daniel, chapter 6. I'll read from verse 1 through to verse 5. Daniel, chapter 6, from verse 1 to 5. Said it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom one hundred and twenty satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king will not suffer loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thoughts, setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find charge or fault because he was faithful. Now was there any error or fault found in him? Then this man said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Hallelujah.
Looking at the situation we have in Nigeria currently, it is clear to us that we are not doing well as a country. We are not where we are supposed to be as a country. But I am fully convinced that the situation we have cannot continue like this indefinitely. Very soon we will have a rebound. We will have a resurgence as far as our nation Nigeria is concerned. But the truth is that the rebound and the resurgence is going to be midwife by a certain group of people. There is going to be an urgent need for diligent men and women in our corridors of influence. It is going to come to pass. There is a time will come when people, I mean, the people that matter will gather and say, look, who will be able to help us? Who will do this for us? No matter the current narrative we have in Nigeria, we we'll talk about who you know is as important as who you are or what you are. But I don't even know what you are is less important than who you know. That narrative will soon change. Hallelujah. As the nation, Nigeria is almost hitting bottom. We are almost, you know, hitting the nadai, both socially, economically, academically. It has it, been terrible. Over the last six weeks, about three important events happened in the world. Well, it might not be very important to you by the time I start mentioning those events. But they are important as far as the world is concerned. The G8 summit involving the 20 most advanced economies and then the emerging economies in the world, they had a meeting. And Nigeria was conspicuously absent. Over the last six weeks, we had the Women World Cup, where you know Nigeria was sent a team. But among all the referees that officiated in that World Cup, not a single Nigerian was found there. Over the last six weeks, we had the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, Nigeria also participated as a team. But among all the officials, I mean both the referees and the linesmen, not one single Nigerian was found among them. Why? It's problem of diligence. It's problem of diligence. It's issue of diligence. And then over the last 25, 30 years, you know, Nigeria has been involved in a lot of, you know, foreign missions. I'm sure you heard about ECOMOG. Nigeria sent troops to Liberia. 
Nigerian troops stayed in Liberia for close to 25 years. Initially, it was under, you know, ECOWAS, but subsequently, United Nations took over. But you know what happened in Liberia? At the end of that 25 years, the population of Liberia increased. How did it increase? A lot of illegitimate children were given birth to by Nigerian soldiers who were in Liberia. And it brought such a terrible scandal to the nation that it was before Nigeria used to have up to like 5,000 troops serving in different parts of the world. But it had to be scaled down to less than 500. Now, why? Because they don't trust that we will deliver. In fact, the likelihood is that we will fail. Hallelujah. That is the truth. That is the truth. So many scandals, so many lawsuits, issues of paternity brought so much scandal to Nigeria. And even up till now, once you mention Nigeria, in the eye of the international community, a question mark follows. You are not sure. Hallelujah. And the time came that, you know, Nigeria was supposed to, you know, was given a mandate to establish a tertiary hospital as part of a United Nations peacekeeping mission somewhere in Mali. And the Nigerian military didn't have enough hands, enough specialists to engage. And as corrupt as they are, they were already ashamed of, you know, all the terrible things that happened. They were looking for specialists who were skilled, who were also morally sound and level-headed. They are not like that, but they needed somebody who was like that. And that was how I got involved. I was just here in Enugu, just doing my work in Parkland. I got a call from Defense Headquarters. Say, ah, would I like to do this or this or that? I said, okay, why not? They have already suffered a lot of losses, a lot of damage to the reputation of Nigeria as a country and to the military, you know. So they were looking for Diligent men. And let me tell you, the truth is that as the Nigerian system will enter into a resurgence, there will be a greater search for diligent men. There will be a greater search for people who are not just skilled, for people who are morally sound, who are sound character-wise, professionals, who will make sure that this mess cannot continue. And I want to ask us this morning, whether you are professional or whether we are even students, are you ready to be found diligent by the time this search starts? As a Christian, 
professional, do you consider yourself ready for this search? Listen to what a Jewish professional said about Christians. He was trying to compare Christian professionals and Jewish professionals. He said, look, if you come to a firm or a company or a system that is run by a Jew, that you are going to find a well-organized place where there is discipline, where there is competence, you know, where there's, you know, people abide by ethical rules. When I'm said, okay. That if you come to a company that is run by a Christian, that you see a company where there is difficulty in abiding by rules, basic rules. And a company that is at a continual risk of scandal, that there is a likelihood of scandal. And I want to ask us this morning, do you agree with this Jewish professional? In this is analysis. Do you agree that the Jews can run a system better than us Christians? You know, we are supposed to be like advanced Jews. The Jews operate just based on the Old Testament. But we operate based on the whole scripture. But truth is that do we believe the scripture? Do we apply it in our day-to-day life? Hallelujah. If you look at the experience of our financial institutions over the last 10 years, there are some banks in Nigeria that were headed by, you know, so-called born-again Christians, in quotes. And the unfortunate thing is that a good number of those banks who were headed by born-again Christians actually collapsed. They went under. If you interact with the people who worked in those banks, you know, on the outside they tell you it is victimization. It is victimization. Uh, the CBN governor just wanted to finish us, but interact with some of the staff who worked in those banks. And you agree with them that those banks were not run based on Christian principles. They were terrible scandals. That was why by the time the CBN evaluated them, even if they are looking for victimization, there is a way your records will be straight that somebody will be afraid of victimizing you. But if your records are not straight, if there are things you are hiding, then you are prone to suffer such victimization. Most of those banks collapsed. Why? Lack of diligence. There was a time, you know, in my, I've spent about two years in Mali. At the end of my first year, you know, there was a kind of a gang up. They just wanted me out of the system. Very powerful people. They just wanted me out. 
you know, it's like initially a good number of them didn't know what is involved. They thought it's something that is so risky and, uh, you know. But when some of them came, especially some of them that came from the northern part of the country and they spent about one year, they felt it's not something so risky, it's something that could be done and it's something that the remuneration is fair, it's quite good. They say, ah, then I need to be out. So they will bring in maybe one of them to replace me. And they were looking for virtually just any reason at all. Just any reason. To say, yes, he did this. Amen. But the testimony of it all was that no reason was found. And I'm still there. And a good number of them <laughs> who were ganging up against me, some of them are retired, some of them even left. You know? So, what am I trying to say? There are times when it is your personal diligence alone that will be able to really save you. Let me tell you, there are enemies. There are competitors. Yes, there are. I remember the Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness. You know, in the military, they taught us... <laughs> You know, things about shooting. We go to the range, to the shooting range, and then we demonstrate shooting. That's what they call the bull's eye. The bull's eye is the heart. You know, they feel as a soldier, you shouldn't waste more than one bullet to take out an enemy. So you should aim for the heart. Once you put a bullet into the heart, you have settled it. Likewise, even spiritually, the devil aims for that bull's eye. And that's why we talk about the breastplate of righteousness. The, that protection that God gives us as his children. That in the midst of a very hostile environment where you have so many enemies around and there's nobody to speak for you, that righteousness will speak for you. That diligence will speak for you. When they gather and they look round, there will be nothing against you. You saw what we read in the book of Daniel chapter 6. Daniel almost a slave in a foreign land. Yet, something was seen in him that made him completely irresistible. And what is that? There was an excellent spirit that was on him that made Daniel irresistible. And why did they look for people with excellent spirits? That the king might not suffer loss. That's what we read in verse 2. And as a nation, we have actually suffered losses in almost all spheres. But there is going to be a king that will arise that will not want us to continue to suffer loss. And when that king arises in Nigeria, he's going to look for diligent men. He's going to look for diligent women. He's going to look for young people who are indeed diligent. The truth is, are we prepared? Will we be able to, you know, to stand at a time like that and remain diligent and be found diligent? 
So, what is this diligence we are talking about? What is diligence? Because we've been talking about diligence, diligence, diligence. You know, I looked up diligence in, you know, the Webster's Dictionary. And it talked about, you know, some dictionary describes it as skill. You know, somebody that is skilled. You know, some other dictionary described it as somebody that, you know, just used two words. Effort and care. I know diligence is about competence in whatever you are doing. Being able to deliver. Do it exactly the way it ought to be done. But I think that diligence is a little more than just competence. I've seen professionals, even in this Enugu, who are very competent in what they are doing. What I mean, they had knowledge. And they had skill in what they are doing. But a lot of them could not attain the heights that you know, they ought to have attained. Because there are other components you know, that make up for diligence. So apart from you know, competence, there is the issue of character. As far as we are discussing diligence, there must be issue of character. Your character must be sound. Even in your competence, if you don't have character, you are at a great risk that you might not accomplish you know, what you ought to have accomplished. And people will overlook that your competence. To character, there is the need for consistency. Competitors are always looking for any inconsistency in you. Just a little slip from what is expected of you, they will capitalize on that and take you out. Hallelujah. Just a little slip. Your competitors will capitalize on that and take you out. So, for you to say you are diligent in whatever you are doing, there ought to be consistency over a long time. I was speaking to a group of young people in my village. That was last week. We had a Christian program, you know, all about what it takes to really break even in such a competitive and selfish society that what we have. And I was telling them that, look, for you to really break even, you know, there's a formula. Godliness plus hard work over a long time. Yes, godliness plus hard work Consistently done over a long time, we always result in success. You see, a lot of young people they say, ah, they've tried this one, ah, they cannot do it. They've tried this one, they say, ah, no, they cannot do it. They've tried this one, I say, okay. How 
long did you try it? For how long? Say, ah, they did it for six months. Say, six months. Six months. And you feel it is not working. You've not tried it for a long time. So, diligence involves consistency. Consistency. And finally, diligence also involves passion. You must have something that is driving you. You must have something that is driving you. You see, when we gave our life to Christ in the early 90s, you know, as we are coming up to the mid 90s, a lot of people were, were, were just saying, um, you know, we go make calm. We will make it. We will make it. In Jesus' name, we will make it. We will make it. <laughs> and then I'll ask you, especially the young ones here, look, is your driving force? We will make it. Because what I, when I look back over the 25 years, I discover that a greater percentage of those people who are saying we will make it have not yet made it. That's the truth. So it is possible that we will make it is not a good driving force. You saw the data I gave to you over the last six months that Niger carried nothing, not even carrying last. Hallelujah. So that cannot be your driving force. If you're just thinking away because you are in Nigeria and Niger they carry last. It will fail you flatly. But you must have a driving force. There was a time when I was doing my residency in UNTH. You know, we were just in the theater. And, you know, <laughs> two papas, they were arguing. Things were not working the way it ought. So the few things they needed to do their work, they don't have it. And one of them was uh, complaining angrily. And the other person told him, You know what he meant? As far as all Uribe is concerned, you don't need to put your heart into it. It's as it comes, you just do it. You float to work and float back dispassionately. That is terrible. Nobody said that the whole land lieth desolate because no man taketh it to heart. And the whole country lieth desolate because no man takes it to heart. Hallelujah. You need a driving force. To really work diligently and consistently over a long time to achieve diligence, you know, you need a driving force. And let me tell you that as far as Christians are concerned, our driving force ought to be what I call the new wine. Yes. The new wine. Jesus talked about it. You see, listen, eh? 
in olden days, if you want people to work for you, you hired a group of laborers, maybe to come and farm for you. Usually, part of the component of what you, you provide for them is not just food. You also provide mania. Why? Yes. They will eat and they will drink. And you see them walking and walking and walking and walking from morning till evening. I'm not talking about alcohol, but there's another kind of wine that auto drivers. That's what Jesus Christ talked about. He talked about the new wine. The full expression of the indwelling Holy Spirit in us. Full expression. That is what ought to drive a child of God. But the truth is that a lot of us actually don't have that new wine. It's that full expression. There may be some parts expression, but that full expression. Because you don't see, the new wine can only be put inside a new wine skin. There is a wine skin for every wine. An old wine skin for an old wine. And a new wine skin for a new wine. And then I need to ask us this morning as I'm asking myself. Do I have a new wine skin to receive this new wine? This thing that should charge me the same way alcohol charges these laborers. I ought to have something that is charging me. Something that is giving me passion to do good and continue doing good. Let me tell us, there are some things that make the wine skin to become old. If you just come with, you know, old ideas as you were taught in your village before you come here. Your operational software is still based on those things you were told and not based on the scriptures. Your wine skin is old and you might not be able to receive the new wine. If your operational software is not based, based on social information and not based on scriptural information, there is a possibility that your wine skin is old and you might not receive that new wine. And you know, the day you may try to function, but you might not be able to. As we interact with the world, there are bruises which as we spend time in the presence of the Lord, those bruises are healed. If you don't take out time to spend quality time worshipping God, those bruises will remain as a result of your interaction with the world. And those bruises will make your wine skin to be old. And you won't be able to receive the new wine. The church that will fulfill all these mandates that I described. You know, that will be full of glory, like the waters cover the earth, the church that has crossed the Red Sea, the church that has crossed the Jordan, the church that really will engage the camp of the enemy effectively is a church that is going to function by the new wine, not by the old wine. Hallelujah. And I'll ask us, do you really feel intoxicated?
by this new wine. As you live your life, you feel intoxicated. It is a critical component of diligence as far as a Christian is concerned. I talked about competence, which is knowledge and skill. I talked about character. I talked about consistency. But you must have this driving force, passion. What is the roadmap to diligence as I conclude? What's the roadmap to diligence? Let's look at the book of First Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 6 through to 9. And it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God. Ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. This passage is not talking about heaven. This passage is talking about earth. There are some things that have been prepared to make it possible for us to function in glory. There are. But the truth is that we must believe it. We must engage it. There is the wisdom of this world, which a lot of people are operating with. But there is also a wisdom that is from above. Let's look at the book of James chapter 3. So that by the time we reconcile these two scriptures, I'll say a few things and then I'm going to pray. James chapter 3 from verse 13 to 18, James chapter 3, verse 13. And he said, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality 
and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Hallelujah. In the word of this expression, that heaven helps those who help themselves. And it's possible that some of us might even be using that phrase or that sentence. And you see a lot of people utilizing measures, ways that are incompatible with the scriptures, trying to help themselves. I've said that that is earthly wisdom. And earthly wisdom cannot produce glory. I've said a lot of people are afraid. You know, that's why people, you know, out of fear, they start going to these corrupt politicians to now provide solutions. Let me tell you, I've been with the military for about two years. They have no solution. That's the truth. They don't have any. The solution is here. The solution is not with the politicians. The solution is here. The solution is by bringing down and manifesting the glory of God unto this perverse generation. That's how the solution will come. And to bring down and manifest that glory, we must function by the wisdom that brings glory. Also that this wisdom, that is the template, that is the operational software that was made to, you know, bring down glory upon us. For some of us start operating by the wisdom of shine your eyes, shine your eyes. Make sure that nobody, you know, intimidates you. You can't be operating by that kind of, you know, a spiritual software and you expect to manifest glory. You will be shining your eyes and at the same time you will be afraid. Why? Because the glory of God is not there. It is the glory of God that takes away every fear. I tell my wife, look, I am not afraid of dying, even today or tomorrow. He said, oh, no, no, don't say that, don't say that. I said, okay, it's alright. But that's the truth. I'm not. Why should I be afraid? Something that is like, you know, if, if I want to go to my house now, I know I'm going to my house, I now start having palpitations, start becoming anxious. Hey, how am I going to get to my house? When I know my house, and I also know the road that leads to my house. Why should I now start getting worried? Hallelujah. That is the truth. What the Bible tells us today, the road map to diligence is functioning by the wisdom from above. That's the road map. For diligence that will be consistent over a long time. The people of the world, they also learn diligence. One of our lecturers told us a story about what happened. You know, he traveled, one of them traveled to one of these uh, island, Bahama Islands. And there, the families, they run resorts where people can stay. 
You know, people will stay there. Maybe if you go, went for research or went for a program, they will be taking. It's just families that run the small, small resort businesses. And when he traveled, he stayed in one of those resorts, and they took care of him so well. In fact, he felt as if he was in his own home. Sometime in the evening, they would take him to the part of the beach where they would be drumming, and he really enjoyed himself. So. He told her, ah, thank you. You have taken very good care of me. You must be Christians. He said, ah, no. We are Satanists. We worship Satan. <laughs> but for the sake of the success of their business, you see them applying Christian principles. And their business keeps moving, working, succeeding. Let me tell you, the people of the world, in their day-to-day life, in their businesses, they seem to be applying more Christian principles than Christians themselves. And it seems it works for them, not that it seems to be working. It works. And that's why if you list maybe the first ten, or even up to the first hundred richest men in Nigeria, I doubt if you will find one truly born again child of God. I'm not talking about the general overseers. The money they claim to have is not their money, it's tithes and uh, so I'm talking about people who are doing business. List the first ten or the first twenty or even hundred. There is the problem that you might not find a single Truly born again, practically functioning child of God among them. Why? We leave the people of the world to apply the principles of the scriptures while we will be shining our eyes. Hallelujah. We must function by the wisdom from above. Before we became Christians, definitely we had a lot of things we have already learned. Some of them are not scriptural. Now that we are Christians, we must drop them and function by the word of God alone. By this wisdom that is pure, that is, you know, when we were in, in our village, they would tell you, you know, for you to be a man, that they shouldn't know your bowels. Your bowels means they shouldn't know what is in your heart. That if you mean A, then you say B. Uh-huh. Then you are a man. You are a man. So people will not know what is in your mind. But that is not the wisdom from above. And some of us, even after becoming Christians, still retain those operational softwares. And we'll be running our life by them and expect to be functioning in glory. It doesn't happen that way. It will not work. So the wisdom that is, you know, given to us to bring down our glory is first of all pure. It is pure. It's as I'm talking, everything I'm saying is what is in my heart. And that's how I live. That is, that is functioning by the wisdom from above. The wisdom that brings down glory. And that's what brings out diligence. And then he used a lot of other, you know, it's not self-seeking. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't strive. I want to ask us today, which 
wisdom are you operating with? Which wisdom are you operating with? I have a very simple definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge plus faith plus action. Knowledge that I have believed and I now acted upon. I have the knowledge of the scriptures. Have I fully believed it? Have I acted on it? And it becomes wisdom for me. But there is a lot of knowledge that we have that we are yet to fully believe and act on. And as far as we are concerned, it will not be effective in our lives. It is only what you believe that will be effective in your life. So, what do you actually believe? What do you believe? So, sears down a man who is diligent in what he is doing. Say, he will stand before kings and not before mean men. It is not conditional, it's something that is true. You want to stand before kings? You want to, you know, be reckoned with in the end time program of God. You want to be relevant, you know, in the end time church. There is need for diligence. And we've seen the components and also the roadmap to diligence. Are you willing to submit completely to this wisdom that is from above? Or you want to continue running your life by what you already know? The decision is yours. Up to now, God is waiting for a heart that is settled. To show himself strong even in our own time. Are you fully settled for him? Are you ready to obey God completely? Or... You want to give God partial obedience. Let's go to God in prayer as we take this song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He shares on our while we do his goodwill, he abides with us still, and we all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and God has shined the light of His Word into our hearts even this morning. Are we willing to walk completely and consistently in that light? 
There is no other way. If we want to function as Christians, there is no other way. No other way. No other option. If we desire to manifest His glory unto all the challenges we are having as individuals and as a nation, there is no other way. We must walk in this light. We must. We must walk in this light. Let's begin to make a fresh commitment unto God. That we will walk in the light of His word. We will believe Him. You will not just have knowledge. If you have knowledge which you don't believe, it will not become wisdom for you. It will not be oppressional. It will not work. Let's begin to reaffirm our commitment to believe the word of God. To believe it so that we can benefit completely from it. Fresh commitment to believe the word of God and to act on it so that we can benefit from it. So that the glory that we come by the reason of operating by this wisdom will indeed be our portion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me tell you, we have suffered a lot of personal losses. Our family has suffered losses. The nation has suffered losses due to lack of diligence. Will you be diligent? We have seen the components of diligence. We must be competent. We must have character. We must be consistent. We must function by the new line. We must have something driving us. Do you have all these things? Begin to desire these things from God. Let God perfect it in our lives. He will perfect that which concerns us. Let Him perfect it in our lives. Let Him perfect it in our lives. We, we are not going into any, we are not going into hedonism. We are not going into any of that. We are already Christians. So we must function by these principles so that we will be effective to combat all the challenges that are facing us. There is no other way. We are not open that slack back to perdition. We are going to believe unto the perfection of our salvation. Ask God to reveal His glory afresh to you. Let Him reveal His glory afresh to you. Yes, let Him reveal His glory afresh to you. But He will ask you that you must operate by the wisdom from above for that glory to be revealed. Tell Him that you will operate by that wisdom. You will live by the wisdom from above, not by the street wisdom. Not by the wisdom from our villages. Not by the wisdom from our parapa meetings. We'll operate by the wisdom from above. So that God can reveal his glory unto us. We are still in the mood of prayer. Let us at this moment commit the word of God as comfort. That the Lord will make his word to bear multiple good fruits in our life. That we will operate at the level of the new wine. New wisdom because we are new creatures. 
in Christ Jesus. That we, the Christians, we are the light of the world. That we will show others the way. That we can be Christians and not operating at the principles laid out by Christ. Let us ask God to enable us with the availability of the Holy Spirit that will be sensitive to the urges of the Holy Spirit in this our work. In Jesus' name, our Lord and our God will give you thanks once again for the opportunity to drink from the living water which comes from your word so that we test no more. And Lord God, may this word not be a false testimony against us because we did not yield to your word, but it will be a positive testimony because we will yield to your word. Lord God, we ask for your enablement to live unto you, to show that diligence in character, integrity, in all that we do, so that when the trumpet blows, that we will not be found wanting, but will be among the number. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.